we're going to start reading with verse 12. Now, you remember when we did the administration of the Spirit, we read down to verse 11. Today, we're going to start reading verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 12. It's where we're going to start our reading. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Second Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 12. When you get this, say amen. amen. All right, verse 12 says, Seeing then that we have such hope. Are you there? Amen. All right, let's read it. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, not as Moses was put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not stand fast and look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remained the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even until this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Yes. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, we're going we to take our subject right from there, and it's going to be taken from verse 17. Now, today, we start a new teaching, not a new teaching, but a continuation but our series is going to change. Our series is going to change to the, uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry. Now, we've been talking about the administration of the Spirit, the administration of the Spirit, but we're going to bring that to another dimension. It's called the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, our subject is going to be taken from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 17. Just one verse. It says, now the Lord is that spirit. Say that with me. Now the Lord is that spirit. All right, you can take your seat because that's what we're going to talk about. The Lord is that spirit. Somebody say that with me. The Lord is that spirit. Right. Now, we are in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, Father, we thank you now for your precious son, your precious blood, your grace, your mercy, your love, your faith, your faithfulness. We honor you in this place, and we thank you for your great salvation. And Lord, we understand the Godhead. We understand that the Father has already given us his son, and the son has already given us his life. Now we are in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we bless you, we praise you, we appreciate you now, and we thank you for you teaching us, leading us, and guiding us, and helping us to understand. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus, and through your precious blood, we pray in the church that amen. amen. All right, now we want to do is, we want to we take the word of God to another level. That's all we're doing, is just taking the word of God to another level. And so I want to I wanna continue to teaching, but I want to really emphasize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So let's go back into a couple places uh, to show you where we have been. We're not going to be going back there, but we talked about the administration of the Spirit. 
which is also the ministry of the Holy Ghost. But we named it the administration of the Spirit because it is the administration of grace or the administration of righteousness. Remember, because that's what was coming in to view when Jesus Christ died on the cross. God was removing the law and giving us grace. So we're going to see a whole lot of things today in, in this teaching. Uh, we're going to give you the, the first lesson today. is going to be called the Lord is that spirit. Now, uh, in, in this, we're going to show you that we have been talking about already. Uh, we talked about in 2 Corinthians 3, 7, uh, the ministration. See, and, and we just finished in 2 Corinthians 3, 7, we talked about uh, the ministration of death. For example, Paul mentioned that in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 7, the ministration of death. And then in the next verse, number 9, he talked about the ministration of condemnation. So, but we're going to show you those things had, had happened. Uh, look at that. Put on the screen. That's what I'm waiting on. 2 Corinthians 3, 7. It talked about the ministration of death. So we have to understand what did God remove? We're going to show you how, how death got here, how sin got here, and how uh, condemnation got here. But we're going to show you that God took that away. And that's what you got to understand. And we're going to show you how to know he took it away. See, if, if you have to know that, that is, that's, a, that's your faith. When it says faith, that means that you have confidence in what God had done. So, so it says, but if the ministration of death. Now remember, I didn't teach on the ministration of death. I talk about the administration of the spirit. But then the opposition was death. The administration of death. Written and engraved in stone, so you know how you got it. Then it says, it was glorious, so that the children of Israel... Could not that because of that ministration of death, it left a veil, and because of the veil, you understand that today in this teaching. If I get don't get to it until the second service, but that's going to be a part of it. The ministration left a veil over the children of Israel's faces. The Bible said they could not behold the face of Moses for the glory of his confidence, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit, now that's what I've been talking about, the administration of the Spirit, be rather glorious. But in verse number 9, as we talk, we can continue on the ministration of death. It says the ministration of condemnation. So this law that God gave through the old covenant, left a, it ministered death and it also ministered condemnation. So, so if I minister to you the law, or if I minister to you uh, uh, the law. I'm going to mention you death and condemnation. Now, but then it talks about much more the, the gospel of Christ. It ministered to you the ministration of righteousness, which exceed in glory. Now, now because of that, we're going to get into the word of God. So those things has been done already. That's why God gave you grace. That's why you have to know when you preach. Now, let me give you some things. How do you know when you preach Law. How do you know? Let's go to Romans chapter 11, verse 6. How do I know when I preach law? How do you know you're sitting in the ministry that's preaching law? If he does, then he'll preach in death. He's preaching to you condemnation. See, 
How do you know that? That's why you'll get sickness and diseases and all that kind of stuff will come in the church. That's why Paul asked the church in 1 Corinthians when he was talking about the communion and people think they're supposed to do it. And he was telling them in the same teaching of communion that, that I hear many are sick in the church. And he was, he was like something had to happen. How did this happen? See, the key was the church wants to bring these things in the church, and then we want to wonder why there's sickness in the church, why there's death, because that's what the law does. And you have to understand that those things which we used to do in the church, which was Passover, and that's what Passover was. Now, when I said Passover, today the modern time calls it communion. But the Bible calls it Passover. I don't know what that is, but anyway, communion, Passover. Passover was never given to the body of Christ. The Passover was given to the Jews. It was called a feast of the Lord. Okay? Seven feasts of the Lord. And that was found in Leviticus. We'll go there next. I'll show it to you. Uh, That's Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, we'll look at that a little later. Now. All right, that's Leviticus chapter number 23. All right, now, we'll look at that a little later. But let's, let's go to what I just asked you for. Romans 11, 6. Romans 11, 6. That's, yeah, I'll, be, I'll be talking until I'm waiting for you to get to where I'm going to get to. <laughs> okay, Romans 11, 6 says, if by grace, I ask you a question. How do you know when a church is preaching law. What another word for law? Works. Now you need to write that down so you understand. Another word for law is works. How do you know that? Because what did God give Adam? Work. After Adam ate the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God told him he's going to get what he's going to receive from God from now on through the sweat of his brow. So I know what he gave him work because now he was under the law. So Romans 11 and 6 gave us that illustration. It says, and if by grace, then it's no more works. So you cannot, so people think you can do something like water baptism, which is works to be saved. And they also think you can use water baptism to get rid of sins. That's works. Then they think you can do Passover to get rid of sin. That's works. So Paul would say to the church in Romans chapter 11 verse 6, if by grace, then it's no more works. See, once you get the grace, you're under the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You understand? If, if you're under the Holy Spirit, it's no more you working. You working is what caused him not to work. God did all of his miracles, pretty most of his miracles, on the Sabbath day. Why? Because that's when the people rested. So you must understand that miracles is going to happen through you, but you cannot be the one who do them. You have to allow God to use you. He'll flow through your hands. He'll flow through you. But if you try to make it happen... It's not going to happen because that's going, you're going to make that works. 
So Romans 11 and 6 told us that if it's by grace, then it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace, but if it be of works, then it's no more grace. That's all I wanted to show you. If it's work, is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. If it's grace, it can't be works. See, so once you tell me that I can baptize you in water in Jesus' name and get you saved, now you're in works. Now, while we're we showing you that, I'm going to go over and show you in, in, in Ephesians 2, and I'm going to give you verse 1, and I'm going to skip down to verse 4 through 10. And you're going to see God created us for good works, but it was not works that saved us because we were saved because we've been created. See, we were created in Christ Jesus at the cross. Created. Every man was created in Christ. But you can't get that until a man of God who has the revelation of Jesus Christ preached to you the gospel of Christ. When I said the gospel of Christ, I'm talking about Christ's death, and resurrection. So when I preached to you, Christ died for your sins. In 1 Corinthians 15, he died for your sins. He was buried. God raised him from the dead. When you believe that, then God gives you the Holy Spirit. He can't give you the Holy Spirit when you don't believe his gospel. <laughs> he can't do it. All right? So that's why I say to people, you got to believe the gospel. Not my gospel, it's his gospel. Uh, this book has not, don't have my name in it nowhere. Unless I wrote it. <laughs> Amen. They say that's my Bible. But it's nowhere in, from Genesis to Revelation, you have my name. So I'm giving you what God gave us to give you. All right, now, I'm waiting on those things now. All right, so I gave you places we're going to go to. Uh, let, let's go to Ephesians now, 2.1. It said, and you has God quickened. Now, the word quickened means made alive. You're a new creation. So this is what he did. He made us alive who were dead in trespassing sin. Now, this happened at the cross. See, all that happened at the cross 2,000 years ago. And then verse number four, I said, I'm going to skip to verse four. But God, because I don't need to read that in the middle there, because that's talking to Israel about some of that time. But God, who's rich in mercy, verse four, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. That if you notice the word love is past tense, that means he's already loved us. He's already died, buried, and raised again from the dead. That's his love, okay? But the Bible says, even when we were, past tense, dead in sins, hath Past tense, quicken us together with Christ. So we were made alive together with Christ. See, I was made alive, was made alive. together with Christ. Yeah. Now, when was Christ made alive? 2,000 years ago. Can you see it? So God did all his work at the cross. That was his work. That's why you can't use work to be saved. God came here through his son and worked for you to be saved. All right? That's your works. All right, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together with Christ. Now he's going to tell you again, by grace are you saved. See, then he's going to make sure you understand the opposite was the law. And has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Then he's going to tell us again that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Then in verse number eight, he's going to repeat himself, by grace are you saved through faith. Then he's going to tell you something, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Then he's going to tell you what it means when he said that's not of yourself, otherwise this is nothing you can do. It's not a work. See, if it was works, then it was something we could do to be saved. It's not a works, lest any man should boast. 
All right, then he's going to tell us in verse number 10 why he created us. He created us to work through us. You, you have to hear this. Most people don't hear this. And you don't, that's why you don't get nothing done. How, how is it that I can pray for the sick and tell you what God's going to do before I pray for them? Because I learned this principle. I cannot interfere with the Holy Spirit when I pray. I must realize I'm not doing this. He's doing this through me. But if I, if I, if I, if I try to take, uh, don't know I am, act, you know, if, if, if I act like it's me, it's, he's not going to manifest. He's not going to share his glory. I must understand. If, I, I don't know if, I don't know if you, you watch, uh, if you watch, well, let me move on. I won't even go there. For we are his workmanship, see, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So we are created to do good works. And that's walk in love, one another, love one another, you know, all that kind of stuff. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. So that's our lifestyle. So we ought to live in those good works, but at the same time, we are not saved by them. After you're saved, you ought to do good work. You know, you ought to walk in love with one another. All these different things that God told us to do. All right. Now, I said I'm going to take you back because I'm going to show you a couple of things. Let's go back to Leviticus, one of the things I said in chapter 23. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 23, this was given to the, now we're going to go down to verse number uh, nine. Matter of fact, we, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 25. In Leviticus chapter 23, and we'll start with verse number one. And we're just going to read this down to verse five. Now, in Leviticus chapter 23, it says, and the Lord spake to Moses, saying, so automatically you know what you give me to hear is not for you, because Moses was not your apostle. <laughs> Praise God. Speak to the children of Israel. Once again, he told you who to talk to. Speak to the children of Israel. That's not you neither. Say to them concerning the feast of the Lord. He's telling me, this is concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be a holy convocation. That's why in the month of October, you got people get together and go to a big, whatever, and have a big convention, so the whole week, and they call it Holy Convocation. And they go through these feasts during the Holy Convocation. That is strictly law. It works. And see, as a pastor, I have to speak out against that because that's wrong. See, when you preach truth, you have to speak against what's wrong. It's not that it's not you trying to be put somebody down. It doesn't make a difference what the name of the church. The bottom line, that's wrong. Because what you're doing is you're having the people to do work for so many days and it, 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 has, it has no value. After the whole week is over, it still has no, ain't no more religion. All right, let's put it, on, put it on the screen. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them concerning the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations even these are my feasts. He told you they are his feasts. That's why he had to come and fulfill them. Six days shall be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of rest. That's why you have people still telling you under the law, and you don't, you're supposed to have your services on Saturday. See, that's seven days of interest. See, I'm not here to put people down, but that's the law. 
and, they, and the holy convocation. That's what he gave Israel. You shall do, watch this, no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwelling. Now, the gospel of Christ is a fulfillment of the holy Sabbath. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. That's how you got grace. The word grace means rest from your labor. Okay, now, now, these are the feasts of the Lord. He's going to name them. Even holy convocation, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. In their seasons. So we're going to talk about it once again, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. All right? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. He says, in the 14th day, on the, fifth, on the first month, watch what day it is. Now, they, they made their first day April. So on the 14th day of April, at even, it was the Lord's Passover. Now that was the actual day that they started the Passover, on the 14th day. That's why on your calendar, they move it around in America because sometimes it's in March, sometimes in April, and you know, all this kind of stuff because they're going to do what they want to do because they know we, are, we don't do that as people. But there are a lot of folks have their services concerning your calendar. That's why Ask Wednesday on your calendar is always 40 days before Easter. So when Ask Wednesday start, the people who celebrate Ask Wednesday, they'll have a black cross or black ashes across their forehead. And wonder, do you know what that means? Amen? All right, but they think they're celebrating Ask Wednesday. Kind of help your brother out a little bit there, man. Make sure he's okay. All right. Just make sure you're okay, all you're doing. All right, now, I'll prop him up on every leaning side or something. Give him a pillow. Make him comfortable. I'm waiting on the scripture. That's all I'm doing. Leviticus chapter 23. He says, now, in the 14th day of the first morning and evening is the Lord's Passover. It's the Lord, can't you see it's the Lord's Passover? All right, now, let's go and show you that in the new covenant that that has been fulfilled. So when you still trying to do, now I got a text, I got a text uh, this past week and it was inviting me to uh, want to know could I have this organization because they're teaching the Jewish feast and they want to show us Christ in the Passover. Now I know that's what organization already teaches as a church Christ in the Passover. So many people think Christ is in the Passover. So when they're doing, when they're doing the communion they call, they think Christ is in that. So when you eat the bread, you eat the body of Christ. Anybody know what I'm saying? Without calling names. All right, that's what they actually believe. They believe when you eat the bread, the communion bread, you're eating the body of Christ. Then they think when you drink the blood, you're absolutely drinking the blood of Christ. See, some of y'all haven't been in that church. Have you been in that church? Am I telling the truth? Thank you. Some of y'all been in that church. He's been in that church. Right, that guy right there. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? That's, they actually believe that it's changed. From the time you take it until that priest, when that priest blesses this. 
So that's what people don't understand. Now, people who are doing it in a lot of churches, they just doing it out of religion. They don't believe it's actually changed in your body, but they believe it's okay to do it. Still law, because you are practicing the Passover. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 7 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. In this teaching, it told you about the Passover. See, the key is in the new covenant, the Lord is that spirit. That means everything you're trying to do in the new covenant, Christ came and fulfilled. So the, the feast, the seven feast of the Lord started at the cross. Because the Passover means Christ died for our sins. That's the first thing you got to understand, Passover. Then connected to Passover, when I didn't read Leviticus 25, I mean 23 verse 6, but it says unleavened bread. Unleavened bread have to do with his, his barrier. Pentecost, you had, you had the feast, the, the first fruits I'm sorry, which was the third one, which would be the resurrection of Christ. See, what churches are teaching, they're not teaching you the resurrection of Christ, they're teaching you your resurrection. That's what they're teaching, your resurrection. They're teaching you that the Lord is going to come. I'm going to do the funeral, but I'm going to put you in the grave. And then the Lord is going to come, and he's going to raise you from the dead. And then we are going to meet together in the air, and then we're going to go over to the promised land. Go back to Jerusalem. And that's where most churches hope, hope is. And they don't understand that when God gathered the church together in Ephesians 1 and 9, he put every man in Christ. So it doesn't matter if, you, if you're in the ground. Matter of fact, you can't be in the ground if you're in Christ. Because if you did, you wouldn't be saved. Now, if you're sitting up in here thinking you're going to be in the ground, then you need to see me after church. As a matter of fact, when I give the altar call, you need to come and say, Pastor, I want to make sure I'm in Christ. Because you cannot be in the casket and in Christ. Because he's already given you his word to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You cannot be both. When God saved you, he saved you from the body. From the body of sin. And he put your soul in Christ. That's what you got to understand. Okay, now let me, let me go back to what I'm just teaching on right now. Uh, whatever you have up there. 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8 is what I just read. Now I'm just finished. You, you see up there, seven days you should eat unleavened bread. Now that's, that, those two things go together because you have the bread which is his, his, his barrier, then they have the Passover, which is his death. Okay, now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Now, he, this is what it says. He said to the church, the church of Corinth. Now, you have to understand the church of Corinth was a local church. That's why they said the church at Corinth. So at Corinth, he told them to purge out, therefore, the old leaven. Now, the church at Corinth was called the Church of God. How do you know that, Pastor? Because I read the book. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. 
See, if you read the book, you know who is to. He's talking to the local church. And he's trying to let them know Paul called to be an apostle. At that time, Paul was not an apostle. He was called to be. He was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and so this our brother. The next verse says, unto the church of God. So the Bible told you who he wrote the letter to. Unto the church of God. Now the church of God was dominant Jewish believers. Jewish believers, the church of God. All right, now, let's move on. They were a continuation of the church in the wilderness, but they were called the church of God. Okay, now we became a part of that through Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 again. He told it to purge out therefore the old leaven. Now remember in chapter 5, he is using people have committed fornication to show them not to do that spiritually. So you have to understand how Paul teaches. Paul used a natural to teach the spiritual. He does that through his all his teaching. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, He's going to say, purge out there for the old leaven. Now, that you may be a new lump. But what was he talking about till he got to there? Go back to verse 1, I'll show you. So when you got to verse 1, he's going to tell them what was wrong in the church. Then he's going to tell them you got to get rid of that. But then he's liking that to what they're celebrating as the Passover. So he said, it's reportedly coming that there's fornication among you. Such fornication is not name among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. So he's telling you what's going on in the church. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that you should have done this deed might be taken away from among you because that's what I'm going to show you. That's what they have to do with the law. They have to take it away. So he's giving them the natural physical teaching to show them what God did spiritually. Because the law was just like yeast in the bread that contaminated it. So it had to be taken away. For I verily am absent in body, but am present in the spirit, have just already as though I was present concerning him that had done this deed. Paul going to say, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, and my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, then in verse 5, to deliver such a one to Satan. So you know good and well, that's not the body of Christ today. That's the local church. You don't deliver nobody to the devil today because they do something in the church. Now if you don't understand that, so you have, that's why you have to understand the word. Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. That the spirit otherwise put him out the church. That was a fulfillment of what happened in the days of Moses. They put Miriam out of the church. Deliver such a one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. They solely going to be saved but deliver them out of the church so they'll get saved, so they'll repent. Then he told them the next verse in verse 6, your glory is not good. No, you're not that a little leaven, leaven the whole lump. Now he's getting down to business. He said, if you, if you got to understand, I'm giving you a natural physical, but this is the same way it happens spiritually. 
a little leaven leavened the whole lump. Now, what is he dealing with now? Bread. You ought to know that when he said leaven. But he's lacking leaven to sin. A little leaven leavened the whole lump. Purge out there for the old leaven. He's telling them you got to separate that from the body. That you may be a new lump. Then he's going to liken it to what he's teaching as you are unleavened. See, born again believers are unleavened bread. Because we have no, no yeast. No sin in us. Oh, you don't want to hear. See, I'm, that's the thing. People still think they got sin. You can't have sin if you're unleavened. I didn't say you're unleavened. The Bible said you, as you are unleavened. That means you don't have no sin in you. You can't have Christ in you and sin in you. See, you're looking at what people do and go and be. That had nothing to do with who they are. Jesus healed people who were sinners. That don't make him a sinner. There was no sin in him. Now, why was he not, why was there no sin in him? Because he was the son of God. Now, if you really believe that and you really know who you are, then you got to change the way you think. Because if there was no sin in him because he was the son of the living God, then what about you? Aren't you the son of the living God? Can't be no sin in you if you're God's son. How did God change that? He put his spirit in you. If his spirit is in you, his spirit is called righteousness. See, so that cannot be in you. The key is you need to be renewed in your mind. You don't know how to live the life. All right, let's move on. Now, purge out therefore the old leaven, he said. That you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. Then he's going to tell you who Christ is. For even Christ, our Passover. He did not say Christ is in the Passover. There's a difference in Christ in the Passover and Christ is our Passover. So if Christ is my Passover and I'm here as a pastor doing what we call the day Holy Communion, which is called the Passover, then if Christ is in the Passover, or is Christ the Passover? Well, if Christ the Passover, then what am I doing down here? All I need is a church who can see. Because I have to do what God's told me to do because I can see it. He cannot be down here and up here too. If I'm preaching the Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, I'm preaching him resurrected. If I'm preaching him resurrected, I should not be participating in him down here dead. I do, do you know down here I'm at the funeral? That's why everybody's sad. That's why we had a casket. I'm here with him on the table. That's what he did before he died. Didn't your book tell you that? 
before he died, that's what he said to them. After he rose from the dead, he did not come back and give them the Passover. There's no more Passover celebration after the cross. Check your Bible. Jesus celebrated no more Passover. When I, if I go back, and, which I've taught that several times in the storehouse, at the time Jesus died on the cross, it was the Jewish Passover. <laughs> and they were in the temple. They had just killed the lamb and the, the Jewish priest was in the temple at the exact same time Jesus died on the cross, they just killed the lamb in the temple. The exact day, the exact time. And Jesus, the Bible said, Matthew 20, go to that Matthew 27, 50. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, tore the veil that was in the temple in half. Tore it down because they didn't need it no more. Now, if he's tore the veil of the temple down, what did he tear down? He tore down the veil. And it was the veil, which was the law, that separated the holy from the holy of holies. Man could not go in the very presence of God because of the veil. Because they couldn't keep the law. Now Jesus had to keep the law before he could down the cross. You didn't hear what I said. If Jesus did not keep the whole law, fulfill the whole law, from Genesis to, to Malachi, could not break not one dot, one eye, one cross, one T, could not do nothing wrong in Three and a half years or, 30, or 33 and a half. Couldn't do nothing. If he did, he could not be the Passover lamb. He had to be without blemish, without fault. Perfect. So he had to keep the law so he could be the Passover lamb. So he was not in the Passover. He was the Passover. Yeah. Old Testament, it was a day of Passover. And if we don't accept what God has done, then we are, we are, we are, we are grieving the Spirit. See, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are not accepting what he has done. And I'm going to show you in the Word of God that the Lord is that Spirit. And what you're saying is the Lord didn't do that. And the Lord is not the Passover. If he's not the Passover, if you're still doing it, if you're still practicing communion, you're saying the Lord is not the Passover. I'm going to do it every Sunday. I'm going to do the Passover. You don't do the Passover. He is the Passover. In the Old Testament, Passover is what you did. In the New Covenant, it's who he is. Old Testament, it was a Sabbath day of rest. New Testament, he is the Sabbath day of rest. Amen. See, everything that you did was working Old Covenant, he has fulfilled and become. 
Okay, let's move on. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Now he's on the cross. Watch what's going to happen. And behold the veil. Now I'm going to show you this same veil is in people today. And I'm going to name three ways that it's still in people today because it blinds them. See, when you cannot understand what the word of God is saying, it means you blinded. The veil is in your temple. And until you, until you behold Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the veil can't come down. See, that's what I read to you in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 today, through verse 18. What happened is, when Christ is preached, when man believed Christ's death, death and burial, and resurrection, the veil is taken away. The veil means the Old Testament now is revealed and now you can understand the new covenant or now you can see him. Now you can understand him. Now you can believe him. See, until the veil is taken away, you cannot believe the word. I don't care how much you hear it and I don't care how much people tell you. You cannot believe it. You always will fight with the word of God. You will fight with the truth because your eyes is veiled. And all you need to do is allow the light to shine in your heart. When that happens, you're going to stop fussing and arguing with the word of God. You're going to say, if it's God's word, it's true. If God said it, it's true. All right, now, let's, let's, where we at? In verse 51, that's Matthew, chapter number 27, and verse number 51. And said, so Behold, the veil of the temple was written twain. Now you think about this now. Because he's saying this for a purpose to let you know the Lord did it. He said, It was written in twain from the top to the bottom. Now, the veil, the veil was as tall as the temple. So no man, natural man, could reach to the top of the veil. Because it was from the top, just like the screen, the temple. Just said the temple was this peak up there. And there was a veil that wide that led into the next dimension. Well, that was torn down. And that veil, they said, was so many inches thick. So man could not do that. But while Christ was on the cross, he said the veil was rent, torn from top to bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. So we know that was a tremendous earthquake. But that was when Christ died. But in that something, in his dying, he made sure he took down that veil. Now, how, how, what do you have in the old covenant pastor that proved your point? Samson. When Samson died, Samson was put between two pillars. See, you can see it. Y'all know, can you see? See, if you know the old covenant, you're able to see it. He was put between two pillars. And everything rested on the pillars. It was just like if I was in Egypt, there was two side posts. They put blood on each side. So when Samson stood between the two pillars, it was a type of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. 
He's getting ready to destroy now all of his enemies. And they were all sitting all around, laughing and mocking. And when he was brought in there, he, was, he asked the Lord for strength to defeat his enemies. Go back and read it. And so when he pushed that down, he said he's going to die with his enemies. And that's what he did. So that's why when Jesus died on the cross, there was a great earthquake. And also those in the temple, also there was an earthquake and the, the temple was, was, was torn down or, or broke down or something and they tore down the veil. So all that was happening while the priest was in the temple offering up the offering. What an awesome thing. And not, it didn't finish there. The Bible said, and the graves were open. Now those, that grave was open with all the Old Testament believers that people still said going to happen. When Jesus died on the cross, the graves were open. Many by the saints which slept arose. And the Bible said came out of the grave after his resurrection, and then God made sure it wasn't a game. They went into the holy city, which was Jerusalem, and then they appealed to many. Jesus is alive. Isaiah, Jesus is alive. Jeremiah, Jesus is alive. All the Old Testament, Job, Jesus is alive. Abraham, he's alive. Can't you see them testifying that Jesus is risen from the dead? Don't you know our dead? David, can't you see? David, Solomon, Samson, I was dead. Hey, Jesus is alive. Many bodies of the saints died, had died, arose from the dead, went into the temple of Jerusalem and appealed to many. See, this was not done in the corner. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. All right, now, let's go back and show you some things on the Holy Spirit. Is there anything else out there? Cole, I want to show you some things on the Holy Spirit. On the Holy Spirit, I want to go back to John chapter number 15. The Gospel of John chapter 15. On the Gospel of John chapter number 15, we want to show you. Let's go to John 14 first. 14, 15. We're just going to show you John 14, 15. We're going to read that through verse 21. And then we're going to read verse 26. Then I want to show you John 16, 13 through 22. You need to write them down. John 14, 15 through 21. Then we're going to do verse 26. Then John 16, we're going to do verse 13 through 20, 22. Now all this on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because this is what happened, what Jesus told you he's going to do. Are you in John 14? Now, you got to understand, this is what Jesus told his disciples that he was going to do. Now, my whole point is why I'm doing this. I'm wanting to show you the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but you got to be able to see the Lord. Because what we do is, we put the Holy Spirit over here in one package, and then we put the Lord over here in another package, and we think they're totally different. No, there's only one God. But you got to see them as three persons. That's why when you was growing up, and song was like, God in three persons, blessed trinity. That's right. It's one God, but he manifests himself in three persons. 
as the Father, as the Son, as the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus came here, he is showing you who he is. That's why when he was telling them, I and my Father one, they almost dropped their cup. But you got not to be deceived. You got to understand something, that that same God is the one that saved you. Now watch this in the Gospel of St. John chapter 14 and verse number 5. Is that right? All right, thank you. You listen. Verse 15. If you love me. Now, he, he, we don't keep the commandments, so he was talking to the Jewish believer. But he said to them, if you love me, keep my commandments. And Now, the commandment they had to keep was John 13, 35, and 36. That was their commandment that they had to keep. Love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know whether you are my disciples if you have loved one to another. That was their commandment. Okay? Now, in verse 16. Verse 16, we in John, it says, John 14, 16 now. He says, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. I will pray the Father. The Father shall give you another comforter. That, the, that the another comforter going to abide with you forever. All right, repeat after me. Jesus said pray, Jesus said, pray. To, the Father, to the Father, that the Father will give you another comforter, the will give you another. And, the and the comforter will abide with you. What the word abide mean? He's going to live with you forever. All right, now, if he's going to live with me forever, then that means he's not going to leave me. Ain't that right? All right, let's go to verse 17. Then he's going to tell you who the comforter is. Even the spirit of truth. So, another word, who's the comforter? So you got two words that who the comforter is. He called the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, or a man who's an unbeliever cannot receive, because he sees him not, neither knoweth him, but he dwelleth, here we go, with you, and shall be where? So, the, said the comforter, the spirit of truth lives in me and is with me. All right. See, with you for grace, he's in you for sonship, relationship. All right. Now, let's go look at verse 18. He dwells in me, he shall be with me. Now, watch what Jesus is going to say in verse 18. This is what really broke the Duncan, whatever the Duncan was pulling. All right, here we go. Or oh, the camera's back, right? Here we go. I would not leave you. Wait a minute. I thought you, you just said the comforter. Then you said the Holy Spirit. Then you said I. Said the Lord, the Lord. is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. How many know the spirit of the Lord is here? Right, he's in me. So you got to practice this every day. You got to practice every day. He's in me and he's with me, right? All right. Then he said this, I will not leave you comfortless. So what did he come to do? He's the comforter, right? So he said, I will not leave you comfortless. When you're going through something, he comforts you. That's one of his ministries. He's the comforter. Look at somebody and say, he comforter. Right, so his whole, one of his responsibilities is to comfort you when you're going through something. So you got to understand something. You gotta, God, will, God wants you to be alone sometime so he can do what? Some of y'all, see some of y'all, I don't like being alone. The Lord says, I will live in you and I will be with you. 
I am here to comfort you. Don't you realize that a lot of times when other folk with you, you don't think about him as being the comforter. So sometimes you need to get along by yourself, spend some time by yourself. But when you do that, always understand that the Lord is with me. He lives in me. He dwells with me. And he comforts me. And I want to act, I want to begin to understand that comforting of the Holy Spirit because can't nobody comfort you like the Lord. What I'm really trying to do, this message I believe the Holy Ghost is trying to do, or aim is to do, is to teach us that the comforter is in us and with us, and that is the Lord. Now, if that is the Lord, then I can't be wasting all my time here talking about the Lord's coming. <laughs> Something wrong with that picture. Okay. All right. Now, let's move on. We're in the Gospel of John chapter 14. And verse 18 says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Then in verse 19, he says to them, yet a little while and the world sees me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. So here's another, here's another thing that he does. He gave us life, right? Because he lives and because he lives in me, I have life. I have his life. See, his life is eternal life. Then in verse number 20, he said, at that day. Now, that day is grace. See, they were still under the, he had not died yet. Once Christ died and buried and raised again from the dead, they entered into grace. Grace was called a new day. You understand? It was a new day. That's why Jesus died at night. So when he rose from the dead, it was early in the morning. So you have to begin to see the day, if I go back to Genesis, the evening and the morning was the day. It always starts off with the evening. So that's why when Jesus rose from the dead, it was in the day. It was a new day. As a matter of fact, it was the eighth day. which was a new beginning. The Sabbath was on the Saturday. Jesus was dead. That's why he rose the, that next morning, which would be in the eighth day, or a new beginning, a new day. That's why when you talk and read Peter's writing, he said a new day has done. The day star has arised in our heart. Let's move on. Now, in verse number 19, a little while, and the world see me no more, but you see me because I live, you shall live also. At that day, you shall know, watch what he's going to say, that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, how many know that's that day now, right? Yeah. We know the day that I'm in him, and he's in me, right? Yeah. That's what Paul teaches, isn't it? Paul teach Christ in me. Paul teach I'm in Christ. Let's just give them two scriptures. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Just give them two scriptures, and then we go to... Uh, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And then 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Just two scriptures. See, he taught you both ways. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Those two should be enough. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, can you see, where are you now? Amen. You're in Christ. If any man in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Then, and, uh, then we go to 2 Corinthians 13, 5. There it says, 
if any man be in Christ. Then it's examine yourself whether you be in the faith, prove your own self. Know you're not your own self, how that Jesus Christ is in you. So is Christ is where? And where am I? Right, I'm in Christ and Christ in me. That's what he said in that day. In that day is grace. That's where you are now in grace. Give the Lord a great big hand for that word. Let's go look at verse 21. In, in John chapter 14, verse 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them is he that loveth me. He that loveth me not shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. And here's another word. I will manifest myself to him. Now, let's go look at the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 16, and verse 1. I will manifest myself to him. Now, what is manifestation? We'll look at verse 26 in just a moment. I will manifest myself to him. Now, you got to know what manifest means. If Jesus was manifested in the flesh. Now, if you're in the flesh, do you know what manifestation means? Yeah. If anything been manifested, you can see it. The, the, the two words that you got to learn the difference between is reveal and manifest. Say reveal, reveal. and manifest. Amen. So if something is manifested, it manifests I can see it with my natural eye. But when it's revealed, I can see it with my spiritual eye. You got it. You need to write them down somewhere. I won't have to tell you this next time. Next time won't be so easy to get. <laughs> so Jesus was manifest in the flesh. John 1, 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. When you read 1 John, you'll see he was manifested to take away our sins. He couldn't have took away the sins if he didn't come in the flesh. Because he had to bear our sins in his own Thank you. Or his own flesh. All right. So, and the word was made flesh, John 1, 14, and dwell among us. That's manifestation. The word was made flesh. Otherwise, it was manifest in the flesh. Let me give you one. You'll never forget this one. And this is 1 Timothy 3, 16. This is an easy one. See, I'll never forget. See, you need to say it. That's why I'm that. If you, if you start saying things, you, it start happening in your life. Don't you realize that's how things happen in your life? You have to start saying it. See, I, see, I never forget. First Timothy 3.16. First Timothy 3.16. Right, now put on the script. It said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested where? If he was manifested in the flesh, that means he was seen with the natural eye in the flesh. Three and a half years, they saw Jesus. He was manifest in the flesh. But then he was justified in the spirit. What does the word justified mean? Amen. He was made righteous. He had to actually go through the new birth. That's why he was dead. He was buried. He raised again from the dead. God was manifest in the flesh. Number two, he was justified in the spirit. Number three, he was seen of angels. Number four, he was preached to the Gentiles. The gospel of Christ was for us. And then he was believed on in the world. And then number six, he was received up into glory. Somebody give him praise. Now in this, in this teaching, we're going to find out when the Bible says he will receive up into glory, we're going to find out he will receive up into where? We call it just glory, but we're going to show you that he will receive into the church. He was received into the church. 
See, the choir sang that. I thought the choir would have got it. If you're looking for the Lord. See, but the holy place is the church. The holy of holies was the third dimension. But when Jesus was on the cross, he tore the veil down. So those who was in the holy place could go into the holy of holies. So that's why the Bible said, Hebrew, come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. There's no more temple physical, no you not. That you are the temple of the living God. But you got to understand something. We're going to get into this. We're going to teach on this. All right. That was Hebrew 4, what? 12? 16. 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace now. See, God made, a, made the throne grace. And now he's going to get you. That's not what God is. You come to God, you get mercy. You'll find grace to help you in time of need. Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's move on. Now, 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 I'm in verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. Now, he gave you names. He gave you the Holy Ghost. He gave you the comforter. He gave you the spirit of truth. How many is writing these down? Amen. I know you can't write and raise your finger at the same time, but how many write them down? Amen. Okay. All right. He is, come on, he is the Holy Ghost. He's the comforter. He's the spirit of truth. And we found out in verse 18, he is the Lord. Forgot that one, didn't you? Go back to verse 18, we come right back. So you got to be able to know who he is. He is the Lord. That's why my message is the Lord of that spirit. So when you say you have the Holy Spirit, that means the Lord lives in you. Live in you. If the Lord lives in you, why you keep saying he's coming? Why can't you accept he has come? Now, the man that ain't saved, he can still wait on a coming. The coming of the Lord, yeah. Well, he's, if he's already coming to you, he's already come. See, I can't say he's coming. I know without a shadow of doubt that he has come to me. He has entered into me, and he lives right here. I know that, no question. Watch what he says. Jesus told you who he was. He told you that the Holy Ghost... He told you the comforter. He told you the spirit of truth. Then he says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. That's the Lord talking. So number four, he's the Lord. So if you're looking for the Lord, <laughs> how can you say that and turn around and say the coming of the Lord? All right. Anyway, now let's go to verse 26 again. John 14, 26. Are you enjoying the word? In John 14, 26, he's the Holy Ghost, he's the Comforter, he's the Spirit of Truth, he is the Lord. Put the word the Lord and put all Cason's Lord capitalized. He is the Lord, capitalized. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Now, I just gave you another one in there, and I, I missed it, but he's also the Father. Let me tell you why I know that. Because he says, I will pray the Father, and he shall send you another comforter. And then he told you that he's going to come to you. Well, how he going to do that? He just said he's going to pray to the Father. He said, he is the Father. Ain't that right? But the comforter, some of y'all ain't on that one, are you? 
Some of y'all ain't agreed with me on that one. That's okay, hold your finger. Uh, John chapter number 10 and verse 30, we come right back. I'm trying to teach you how you know. Another, he's not just the Lord, he's the Father. So all those under there that I'm telling you, he's the Father, he's the Holy Ghost, he's the Comforter, he's the Lord, he's the Spirit of Truth, all that's the same. Watch what he tell you. Holy Ghost, Comforter, Spirit of Truth, the Father, and the Lord. Okay. You want to put the word capital V before the Father too because he is the Father. So we want to, we got other folks saying they're the Father, so we want to make sure that's a cap. This is the Father. All right. Now, let's go to uh, John 10, 30 when you get a chance. I got about three minutes, I'm done. All right. Thank you, that's real good. Now you want to go to that John 10, 30 so we can show the people that him and the Father are the same. See, he told them who he was, and yet they don't believe it. That's why they kept saying, who are you? Tell us who you are. He said, I've told you. You just don't believe what I'm saying. <laughs> I and my father are one. Say it. Right. And use the word I in a capital letter. You see it? I and my father are one. All right. So let's go back over to John 14, 26. So if he and the father and the son is one, then we must understand, he said, I pray to the Father, and the Father's right there in him. You remember, he said that. He says, the Father's with me. Yes. He said, I don't do the work. The Father that lives in me do the work. Yes. My point is, if you're praying to the Father, you need, at least need to know where the Father at. And if you, if you, if you want to talk about the Holy Spirit doing some of your life, then you got to know where the Holy Ghost at. Then you got to know where the sun at. They all live here now. Amen. Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? The Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of Christ, that's who the Father is. That's, that's how you receive the Christ. Everything is complete in the sun. The, the Christ, somebody can find this for me. Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So when Christ comes to take up residence in you, the Father's in you and the Son. That's so awesome. That just blows me away to know that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our Father, live right here. That just blows me away. Now, that may not be nice to you, but oh, I rest on that every day. Every day. All right, now, verse 26, we're done because I'm not going to be able to do it anymore. John 14, 26, one more time said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Wait a minute, you just told me I'm the Father one. That's the same thing. He will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. Here's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. What are you going to do? But this is the key. He teaches you when he come in you. See, you can say that all you want to sound real good, but until he come in you, he can't teach you. Because the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other. Galatians 5, 13, right? For in him dwelleth all the food. There it is on the screen. That's Colossians 2, 9. You need to write that in your notes. Colossians 2, 9 says, For in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, all in one body. 
So here he says, he's going to teach you all things. Now all things mean the New Testament. Remember the Bible said old things are passed away? Well, what old thing were passed away? You don't get it. Old, there's nothing old but the Old Testament. Please write that down. See, you write that down because I'm going to say it again. You're going to look at me like, I don't know what's old. Ain't nothing old but the Old Testament. How many know what's new? Ain't nothing new but the New Testament. So if old things are passed away, the whole Old Testament was passed away. You are a new covenant. He made all things new. That's the new covenant. That's what I'm teaching you on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. My time is already gone. We'll just start right there. Now, wasn't that word good? Yeah. Can you give the Lord a big hand? Thank him for the word. Can you thank him? Come on, let's get up on our feet. Let's. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.